is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. That is Tanya Tucker, and uh, Bo, tell us a little bit about that song, Tanya's comeback. Yeah, uh, that song's entitled Hard Luck from her new album that came out a couple weeks ago entitled While I'm Living, and it's her first album in 17 years. Yeah. And I love that song. And right. I'm like I'm kind of in disbelief that I like a Tanya Tucker song as much as I like that one. I mean, I've always respected her as a female artist and you know some of the topics that she sang about when she was 14 15 years old is just right way too much for somebody her age at that time singing but god this is a hell of an album yeah she's really 60 good. now yeah 60 61 and yeah. she said this wasn't really a comeback album because she didn't go anywhere she <laughs> said this is a she this is a relaunch of Tanya Tucker a little bit like that new album joe walsh came out with two or three years ago uh he it was called a, a something man uh analog man analog that's what man it was. Yeah. yeah and it had that it had that real joe walsh vibe to it from back you want to play 30s. one of those songs let's also. do some joe walsh next hour okay let's do that let's do that but uh this album uh was produced by shooter jennings yeah and brandy carlisle who's riding a big wave of success right now so I, I Brandy Carlisle is from. Was she from a, a group, the Bangles, earlier on, or uh, no? That's Belinda Carlisle. Okay, Brandy Carlisle. She's 
38, 39 years old, and she's, um, I think she lives in Washington. Okay. So she was on CBS Sunday morning. They did a feature on her. I watched it the other day. Country music singer? Yeah. And uh, so she, um, Shooter had approached Tanya about it, and then Shooter had called Brandy Carlisle. Shooter is a she, right? Shooter's Waylon's boy. Oh, it's a he. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, All right. So they got together and uh, got with Tanya and produced this album, and so far it's been getting great reviews. That's great. So we're going to highlight a few of those songs and get into Tanya's career over the next hour, right. and then we'll rock it up with some Joe Walsh next hour. Okay. Sounds good. Um, I want to read a little bit of scripture. Um, this is uh, about the healing power of Christ. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. With his stripes we are healed. This is Isaiah 53, 4 through 5. And here's another scripture from Matthew 27. Uh, Pilate said unto him, What shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of, the, of this just person. See you to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released be Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Um. There is a power in the crucifixion of Christ and through his death whereon he, whereby he took on the sins of the whole world that enables us to be healed through his blood. Uh, you can read about it in Scripture, and uh, it, is, uh, it is a very powerful thing. Uh, I've been studying it more lately to try to understand about this healing power that's available through Christ. And uh, I believe that it exists. And I just want to share, I like to share these things with people on the show who are faithful listeners. I've had uh, so many nice comments recently about people that listen to the show that like to hear the scriptural things that I read from time to time. So I'll continue to do it and, uh, and let, let me know if you continue to like what we're doing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the hurricane. And uh, I've been very struck by the suffering of the people in the Bahamas and especially in Abaco, where the hurricane has displaced something like 70,000 people. And it's, you know, these people have basically nothing to go back to. Uh, their, their homes are wiped out. Um, the streets they live on, in some cases, don't even exist anymore. The fury of this Category 5 storm, which hit them with 185-mile-an-hour winds, uh, wiped out what homes they had. And consistently, you get more and more of the press telling you, uh, well, it's global warming. It's uh, climate change. Here's a typical article. Um, this is talking about people in North Carolina from the New York Times. They survived Dorian but wonder how many more hurricanes they can withstand. Most residents in eastern North Carolina where people, off, people rattle off the names of storms like old enemies were spared the worst from Dorian, but they haven't all recovered from last year's flooding. 
Berg Hall, North Carolina. Every other house along the dirt road hugging a stretch of Berg Hall Creek sat empty, sold off or abandoned after years of hurricanes and worsening floods. Then there was Elizabeth Rivenbark's place. This is from the New York Times that I'm reading. After chest-high floodwaters destroyed her home and turned the furnishings to sludge a year ago during Hurricane Florence, she and her family defiantly built a new house atop 10-foot pilings. Rivenbark Island, they called it. They had moved in, less, moved in less than a month ago. They had not even finished hanging the pictures, and then Hurricane Dorian barged through, swamping their property and drowning one of their cars in brown flood water. We got to test out the new house, said Ms. Rivenbark, as she looked out her new living room windows at a lake below. All right, so you go through this thing, and you think you're reading an article about what these people have dealt with, but you get to this sentence here that says, as Dorian Chug North... East away from the Carolinas, many said they were happy to replace blow-away roof shingles and ruined furniture and carrying on until the next one. Others, storm-shaken and often weary, wondered how many more times would they have to pack up their pets and children and race for shelter at the closest middle school? How could they rebuild their homes to withstand hurricanes made wetter and more destructive by climate change? See, wait for it. There it is. Inserted in that article is the seeds of a sermon on climate change. It's not really an article about uh, some people and how they deal with weather patterns. It's now the beginning of an article on climate change. And this is what you get nowadays. You get the lecture on how hurricanes have made, have gotten worse. What I want to try to do is go over some articles in this hour about is it really worse than what it used to be? And maybe it's actually not. I can walk outside. I can't tell that it's warmer now than it used to be. I I just judge things by empirical evidence. But this week, here's what we heard from leading Democrats. Um, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for example, warms, this is what climate change looks like presidential hopeful bernie sanders one-ups that tweeting hurricane dorian has everything to do with climate change which is the existential crisis of our time julian castro is also tying dorian to global warming they're wrong but their warnings fit a pattern when hurricanes harvey and irma both hit mainland u.s in quick succession in 2017, critics claimed that this was the new normal. In fact, those two storms, along with Michael in, two th- in 2018, were the only three major hurricanes greater than a Category 3 to hit the continental U.S. in the last 13 years. That's a record low since 1900. For comparison, the average over the same time frame has been nearly eight major hurricanes. It's vital to consider the science. This is what the politicians don't do. They politicize the science. They turn it into something that they can use as a way to appropriate wealth and uh, financial assets in order to create their own political um, goodwill. Remember, politicians are interested in other people's money. Politicians are just like business people. The difference is, rather than their own money, they deal in your money. Globally, the international scientific body finds 
okay, so it's vital to consider the science. In its most recent assessment, the UN Governmental Panel on Climate Change reported that no robust trends in annual numbers of tropical storms and major hurricanes have been identified over the past 100 years in the North Atlantic Basin. This is the UN, folks. I mean, they're about as left-wing in some ways as you can get. Globally, the international scientific body finds no significant observed trends in global cyclone frequency. Okay, stay with us on that. We'll be back from the break in just a moment. It is the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP. The news you want to know. Hurricane Dorian. Death toll rising. The news you need to know. There's a jobs boom. We must contend with the rise of China. Stay in the know. Gun legislation. Former Zimbabwean president died. News Radio 630. Stay alert and informed. WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree, Jr. You've heard us talk about the importance of having your investments produce income. Well, it's no joke. The likelihood you run through your principal in a down market is much greater. If you're taking withdrawals from income rather than principal, you're adding insult to injury by liquidating stocks when the market is down. If you're withdrawing from your portfolio regularly to cover living expenses, you may be permanently eroding your principal. Wouldn't you rather just use income? We can show you how. For a no-cost, no-obligation meeting with us, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. You can also find us on Facebook and at DupreeFinancial.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Tucker from her newest album While I Live. It is entitled While While I'm Living. Yeah. While I'm Living. As opposed to not being with us. Right. So which could have happened with her. Yeah, exactly. She she was uh she was a little wild back in the day. Yeah. A lot wild. Right. So back to this discussion of uh climate change and if if you want to call in and add something john short i haven't heard from you in a while uh you can you can call us at the radio station what's the number uh 280-2287 yeah 280-2287 we haven't had a call from john in a while so let me take you to uh, another article here. This is uh, by Bjorn Lomberg, New York Post. It's human nature to assign blame to catastrophic events. In medieval time, witches were blamed for weather woes. Trials and burnings increased when weather got worse. In hurricane season, many find a scapegoat in global warming. Pundits tell us ignoring the science of climate change will hurt us. 
and a Washington Post editorial declares the Trump administration is complicit. It's a familiar drumbeat, recognizable from Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Sandy. For years, Al Gore and others emphasized the need to connect extreme weather to climate change to encourage carbon cuts. You know, Al Gore was great at this. He used uh, any kind of publicity he could get to uh, to try to track these things. We got a call here. Johnny Short, I haven't heard from you in a while. I know, I'm going to tell you why, because he's having guests on every week, and that's why I haven't called in. Okay. That's well, why. T- today, you can call in, and, and we'll talk to you. Sounds good. How you been doing? I'm blessed as well. How you been doing? Fine. Well, what's Kentucky going to win by tonight? 35 biggins. Really? Yeah, East Kentucky's going to be Lowell tonight, and I believe that Louisiana State's going to be Texas. Oh, you got opinions on other games other than Kentucky. That's good. Yep. And the hurricane shouldn't have happened, and I wish it didn't happen. Now, I've been – now, have you heard – let me say, heard Metronet, heard, heard that organization? Heard, you heard of Metronet? Yeah. I have Metronet, and I've, and, I've, and I've found one American News Network on there. I didn't know it's it Cable 48 on Metronet. Really? Yeah, I think it's better than Fox, more conservative than Fox. What's it called? One American News. One American News. Yeah. Okay, it's on Metronet? Yep, Cable 48, yep. All right, we'll have to check that out. Now, that's one of Tommy Lannon used to work on before she went to Fox and worked for Hannity. That's yeah. right, because she used to work at One American News. And then, then now it's for the past year, she's working on Fox News Channel. Right. Yep. Tommy Lahren. Now we need now we need Newsmax. Yeah, Newsmax is um, that's a, a different one altogether. Yeah, we need that one on MetroNet. We need that one desperately. Yeah. So and that's the one that has Wayne Allen Root on there, and has Bill Rowley and Michael Reagan. Right. Because I hear they advertise on six thirty WLP every every week about Newsmax. Now we need now we need it everywhere. Right. You want to hear that one regularly? That's right. Okay. And I think Wayne Root is better than Tucker Carson. Much you, better. You like him better? Yeah, I know so. Because the only way I hear Wayne Root is on he's on Sunday nights on Billy Cunningham's show. The only way I hear him is on that on that show. Right. And I wish Billy Cunningham. I wish his show was on night earlier and said ten to one. I wish it's on nine and midnight. I wish it, we'll have to call WLW about that. Because that's who. <laughs> Okay, we, we're going to have to uh, take a break here. You want to hang on through the break? Okie dokie. All right. That's John Short. Haven't heard from him in a while. I want to pick his brain a little bit about college football. I'm going to get him to hang on. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP. From iHeartRadio, number one for podcasts. Parklandia. The National Park System is home to some of the most beautiful land and wildlife you are ever going to see. And they belong to everyone. That's including you. I'm Brad. And I'm Matt. And on our show, Parklandia, we're bringing you on the road with us as we explore the wonders of the Everglades. The Petrified Forest. Yellowstone. And many more. If you want a refreshing, relatable look at the outdoors, listen to Parklandia. Hear it right here Wednesday night at 8 on News Radio 630 WLAP. Did you know that 42% of all cancer is preventable? One in nine men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer this year. But the Prostate Cancer Foundation is funding the science to change that. Risk factors for cancer include family history and genetics, but also lifestyle factors like smoking and diet. You can be a partner in your own healthcare with just a few simple changes. This September during Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, go to pcf.org to download your free exercise and nutrition guide for living well beyond cancer. Chris Young, live, Raised on Country Tour. I was raised on country. Saturday, November 23rd, Rub Arena. Chris Young, hit after amazing hit. And tonight I'm drowning. With special guests, Eli Youngman and Matt Stell. Tickets available at LiveNation.com. Chris Young, Raised on Country Tour. 
set to brush by Cape Cod's Nantucket in the next few hours, moving well out to sea, but still could pass over Nova Scotia before Dorian exits for good. It comes after the hurricane made landfall in North Carolina's Outer Banks Friday, where crews rescued some of the 800 people who stayed behind. ABC's Rob Marciano is in Nags Head. They pretty much had three days worth of Dorian here in North Carolina, and the way this state is shaped, you get it on both sides. So you get the Atlantic surge flooding and you get the sound surge flooding as well. Much calmer today, but this is going to go down as number sixth in the record books here as far as the lowest pressure uh, of a hurricane hitting North Carolina out of all the hurricanes that have hit this state. So a pretty remarkable storm for sure. Dorian slamming the Grand Bahamas and Abaco Islands as a Category 5 earlier this week. The death toll there, now at least 43 people. That number expected to rise. Recovery efforts continue in the aftermath of Hurricane Dorian. I'm Michelle Franz in ABC News. Body skies early today as you get deeper into the afternoon. The sun taking control. We'll see a high this afternoon topping out mainly into the mid and upper 70s. Looking good out of Kroger Field this evening with thermometers falling into the 60s. 50s early on Sunday. By Sunday afternoon, putting the wraps on your weekend at 75 to 80 with a little cloud cover coming back into town. Give you a shower or two around. As you go into Sunday night and Monday, have a great weekend. I'm WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey and your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24 7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP and iHeart Radio Station. Hey guys, my name is Karen and I wanted to tell you a story about my boyfriend Mike. He's a great guy, super fun. He is the best in so many ways, except for our life in the bedroom. The last several months, he lost his ability to perform and also lost his confidence. It changed him and he became miserable and he was about to lose me. So get this he hears an ad about this powerful male enhancement product called Noxitril. It's all natural. No stuffy nose, no headaches, no side effects. He tries it and all I can say is, wow, incredible. I told him this feels like Viagra on steroids. Boy, was I glad I stuck around. With Noxitril, Mike is now my energizer bunny. He keeps going and going. Problem solved. Thanks, Noxitril. And Noxitril has this free bottle offer. So now there's no excuse for every guy to have it. And keep going and going. Find out how to get a free bottle of Noxitril while supplies last. Call 800-993-1560. 800-993-1560. Free bottles for a limited time. Call now. 800-993-1560. 800-993-1560. HelpWantedLexington.com presents the world's worst boss, the one who posts jobs on huge national job sites looking for anyone with a pulse. We'll just call him Dave. Officer, thank goodness you're here. You said it was an emergency. And it is. We have some positions in senior management that need to be filled pronto. <sighs> Not this again. I'm telling you, our benefits are criminal. And you can't stay on the force forever. All right, boys, roll out. Wait! Hey, where's the fire? I'm so glad you're here. Don't be a Dave. Find your perfect local employee at HelpWantedLexington.com. Local jobs that work. 630 WLAP. Delta Dawn, what's that power you Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Back with John Short, who held through the break. Johnny, you still with us? I'm still with us. What did you think about the uh, Toledo game? It was kind of some kind of game. At least we won. I'm surprised we're going to trail 14-7 and 7-0. And yeah. Yeah, we didn't look good at the beginning of the game, did we? No, we didn't. And I'll be the Terry Wilson is a leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy. You think so? Yes. If we had been snubbed back, he'd be a leading candidate for sure. No doubt about it. <laughs> well, Terry Wilson's got some competition for the Heisman. Uh, I, I think, the, to me, the leading candidate is probably going to be Jalen Hurts of Oklahoma. He had a great Alabama game. player. Yeah. Transferred to Oklahoma. He had 500 yards total offense. So that's, that's a lot of offense. Yeah, it's a lot of offense. Terry looked good, though. He was didn't get intercepted, and he was hitting his man. Uh, he he looked really good. Yeah, what happened to Terry Henry who played for Kentucky? He played from 1979, 82, 83. What happened to Terry Henry? What happened to him? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember the name. Yeah, if we, if we would have beaten Miami High, we would have undefeated season. I think we would have beaten Indiana. We would have beat Louisiana State. We had 19-3 lead and lost 23-19. to 19. That was when? What year? 19, 1979. We would be, I think we would be undefeated this season. We would be minor of a high in 79. 
I think we would if we going to be on the field. We'd beat Georgia, and we would beat Tennessee. I know we would. Yeah. Well, those are all what ifs. We're undefeated right. so far this year, so we gotta gotta win this game, and then we gotta play Florida. That's right. And Terry Wilson, the third junior college quarterback, I remember starting. First one was Lane Ford. Remember him in the, in the late eighties? Yeah. And then came Johnson. Now Wilson. Yeah. Junior college transfers, starting quarterbacks. Right. Well, John. Uh, so you're you're thinking we're going to win by 35 biggins tonight? Yes, indeedy. You make you know, a- game time is 7:30 the SEC alternate channel. The pregame on the radio is 3:30. Right. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We will, and we need to try to win in 2020 next year. We got to have him win. <laughs> That's right. I agree yeah. with you. And he needs to win every state. Okay, he needs to win every state in Commonwealth, including the District of Columbia. He needs to win that too. All of them. All of them, that's right. Went easily. All right, John, you're a great American, and I appreciate it. You're a great American. So there, there we go. Okay, thank you. And that Tane Tucker song, I didn't recognize Tane Tucker with her new album. Her voice sounds different. Mm-hmm. It's a little raspier. I, know, uh, I, like, I like the way she was much better. I like her songs better than the 73 90s. Yeah. Yeah, she sounds a little more seasoned. We appreciate it, John. Take oh, care. Yep. Thank you. That's John Short. I hadn't heard from him in a while. Missed him. Okay, back to this thing on global warming. This is by Bjorn Lornberg. He's the director of the Copenhagen Consensus Center. UN Climate Panel found in its latest report that hurricanes haven't increased. Current data sets indicate no significant observed trends in global cyclone frequency over the past century. A decade ago, top, 10 top researchers sharply divided over whether global warming intensifies hurricanes. Together pointed out that the climate connection is a distraction from the main hurricane problem facing the United States. Now here's what it gets down to. This is about vulnerability. In rich countries like America, we should not allow so many houses to be built on floodplains or coastlines. We should insist on higher building standards and increase wetlands to handle flooding. (coughs) We should stop federal insurance subsidies that encourage building in vulnerable areas. In the world's poorest countries, we should do more to reduce poverty because increased prosperity is the most effective way of building resilience. Amen. You run into, if you go to different uh, tropical areas, areas near the oceans, resort areas, you will see building taking place in places that are obviously going to get flooded at some point. Uh, This happened in Abaco in the Bahamas, and it has happened throughout the southeastern United States. So a lot of it really has to do with uh, where people are building. This is an article from the New Criterion by James Pearson, an overblown hypothesis. We are well into hurricane season with a dangerous storm lurking off the coast of Florida. It was This was put up on September 5th, and now poised to make a run up the east coast of the United States. As happens every year at this time, the appearance of hurricanes provokes speculation about the role of climate change in the formation of these destructive storms. What I don't buy about the global warming crowd is that they use it for political purposes. I've grown more and more uh, skeptical about how politicians use data and this is no exception. 
Climate change theorists assert that warming ocean temperatures are increasing the number and strength of hurricanes that form and make landfall in the United States. Now, I'm going to get into some numbers here from this uh, this article. As Dave, as Dave Leanhart writes this week in the New York Times, the frequency of severe hurricanes at the Atlantic Ocean has roughly doubled over the last two decades, and climate change appears to be the reason. He cites some statistics to support this conclusion, though his review of the facts is far from thorough. Mr. Leanhart cites a study from the National Hurricane Center that shows, based upon moving averages, an increase of Category 4 and 5 storms in the Atlantic from about 1.5 per year in the 1960s to 1 per year in the 70s and 80s and then to about 2 per year from the last decade. The doubling in frequency that he cites is in comparison to the rates of the 1970s and 80s, though the increase is more modest if we take the rates of the 60s as a point of reference. In any case, these increases are not very impressive because the numbers are so small. Category 4 and 5 hurricanes are uncommon phenomena. They don't occur very often. Here's a question that they pose. Are hurricanes at the Atlantic Ocean increasing in frequency with the passage of time? <clears throat> and the averages look like this. 1950 to 59, there were 6.9 named hurricanes formed per year. In 1969, 1960 to 69, there were 6.1 named hurricanes per year. 1970 to 79, 5 per year. 1980 to 89, 5.2 per year. 1990 to 99, 6.4 per year. 2000 to 09, 7.4 per year. That was a big jump. But in 2010 through 18, there's only 7 per year. Over the past decades, there has been an increase of one to two named hurricanes per year over the rates experienced during the th three decades prior. At the same time, the current rates of seven named hurricanes per year are very close to the rates experienced during the 1950s. Are more hurricanes making landfall in the United States with the passage of time? The HRD maintains an accurate list of hurricanes making landfall in the United States going back to 1851 and running through 2018. On average, over this 170-year period, between one and two hurricanes made landfall per year in the United States. The busiest years for hurricanes since 1950 were 1985, 2004, and 2005, as six named storms made landfall in each of these years. The busiest decade going back to the 1850s was the 1940s when 26 hurricanes made landfall. More recently, the busiest decades was between 00 and 09 when 19 hurricanes made landfall. Below is a decade-by-decade decade enumeration going back to 1950. 1950 to 59, 18 hurricanes made landfall. In 60 to 69, 15 made landfall. In 70 to 79, 12 hurricanes made landfall. In 80 to 89, 16 made landfall. In 1990 to 99, 14 made landfall. In 2000 to 09, 19 hurricanes made landfall. But in 2010 to 18, only 11 hurricanes have made landfall. Average by decade, is 15 it's it stays pretty consistent so um, it appears that we have a lot more hype than we have actual hurricanes making landfall we're being told that this is going on in a way that is perhaps not as bad as the facts bear out. 
you have to look at how much is riding on the climate change science, the amount of money that goes into finding certain scientific, quote, facts, the money that's being bet on climate change by the scientific community, by different research organizations, in order to push forward legislation <clears throat> that would hamper business, cut down on human activity, cause people to do fewer things. Now, do I support burning the, the, the Amazon River forest? Absolutely not. But reasonable human activity is going to cause carbon. People breathing causes carbon dioxide. Combustion engines causes carbon dioxide. But if you look at what it costs to produce green energy, like um, fuel cells and um, wind turbines, the amount of fossil fuels that has to go into producing these things is way more than just using fossil fuels themselves. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. With the 2020 election fast approaching, Donald Trump is wrong about everything. The dialogue, socialism or capitalism, and the discourse. It's just sinful. What's happening? Have begun. Join the conversation right here. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. You've heard us talk about the importance of having your investments produce income. Well, it's no joke. The likelihood you run through your principal in a down market is much greater. If you're taking withdrawals from income rather than principal, you're adding insult to injury by liquidating stocks when the market is down. If you're withdrawing from your portfolio regularly to cover living expenses, you may be permanently eroding your principal. Wouldn't you rather just use income? We can show you how. For a no-cost, no-obligation meeting with us, call the Pre-Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. You can also find us on Facebook and at DupreeFinancial.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. All right. I don't know how well I did in making the point that it appears that um, hurricanes are no worse now than they have been in the past. But I used an article from the New Criterion by James Pearson I used an article from the uh, New York Post by Bjorn Lomborg and an article, an opinion, uh, opinion article also by Bjorn Lomborg. I want to talk a little bit in the time we've got left about uh, an article which is a, really an excerpt from the book by Neil Gorsuch who's an associate of the Supreme Court of the United States. It's about originalism, which is a way of looking at the Constitution that interprets it as an original document, not as a fluid uh, thing that n changes itself when we come to uh, modern day. It, it looks at human nature as something that doesn't really change. This is from Time Magazine, Justice Neil Gorsuch, Why Originalism is the Best Approach to the Constitution. 
Originalism teaches only that the Constitution's original meaning is fixed. Meanwhile, new applications of that meaning will arise with new developments and new technologies. Consider a few examples. As originally understood, the term cruel in the Eighth Amendment's Cruel and Unusual Punishments Clause referred at least to methods of execution deliberately designed to inflict pain. That never changes, but that meaning doesn't just encompass those particular forms of torture known at the founding. It also applies to deliberate efforts to inflict a slow and painful death by laser. Take another example. As originally understood, the First Amendment protected speech. That guarantee doesn't just apply to speech on street corners or in newspapers. It applies equally to speech on the Internet. So they didn't, obviously they didn't have the Internet in the uh, time when the Constitution was written, but it would apply, the freedom of speech clause would apply to um, speech on the Internet nowadays. Or consider the Fourth Amendment. As originally understood, it usually required the government to get a warrant to search a home. And that meaning applies equally whether the government seeks to conduct a a search the old-fashioned way by rummaging through a place or in a more modern way by using a thermal imaging device to see inside. Whether it's the Constitution's prohibition on torture, its protection of speech, or its restriction on searches, the meaning remains constant even as new applications arise. So it would seem to me that those who want to look at the Constitution as an outdated thing, just just like people look at the Bible that way, human nature has never changed. And man's desire to use power on his fellow man in ways that may harm him hasn't changed either. So therefore, the Constitution, as a reference on human nature and ways to uh, ways to limit my desire to inflict power on you, is an unchanging document. It views human nature as having to be uh, curbed. And in this sense, it's, it's an unchanging document, just as the Bible is an unchanging document in the same way. The Constitution is short. It's only about 7,500 words, including all its amendments. It doesn't dictate much about the burning social and political questions they care about. These are for living constitutionalists, people who want to change the Constitution to match the times. See, this is our problem nowadays. We want to change things to fit the times instead of living by eternal uh, principles and laws. We feel like it's necessary to change them. Seems that the real problem problem for the critics when it comes to the social and political questions of the day they care most about many living constitutionalists would prefer to have philosopher king judges swoop down for their marble palaces to ordain answers rather than allow the people and their representatives to discuss debate and resolve them you could say the real complaint here is with our democracy utopianists and these are frequently left-wingers who want to uh, dictate how we think, how they think society should go, want to have people, smart people that they put in power to be able to call the shots. Whereas democracy, Republican democracy, which is what we have in this country, is a much more messy proposition it requires people to debate elections happen 
people get voted in, get voted out, and it leads to consequences. And then you see changes take place that way. Originalism, that is the idea of looking at the Constitution in its original intent, is focused on process, not on substance. It is not conservative with a big C focused on politics. It's conservative in the small c sense that it seeks to conserve the meaning of the Constitution as it was written. The fact is, a good originalist judge will not hesitate to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution's original meaning, regardless of contemporary political consequences. Whether that means allowing protesters to burn the American flag, prohibiting the government from slapping a GPS tracking advice on the underside of your car without a warrant, or insisting that juries, not judges, should decide the facts that increase the penalty you, you face in a criminal case. In my own judicial career, I've written many originalist rulings with so-called liberal results. So a judge that seeks to be an originalist on the Constitution will not necessarily weigh his or her vote based on what the current political um, political rage is. All right. Stay with us. We've got Philip Sexton here, and we're going to be talking about some things having to do with the economy and uh, the markets. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP.